it's like a double-edged sword because it's like on one hand i feel like there's more opportunities for people to make money now you know as a brand new entrepreneur like you can come in here into this space and in five six years you can like do pretty big things potentially right and i don't think that i don't think that opportunity like imagine starting from scratch and doing like an asphalt paving business yourself like back in the 90s or even 80s or whatever you know it's like it take you like 10 20 years to reach that same level that someone could do in five in a digital space this is digital marketing Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you've focused on, the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Eugene Song, the founder and director of strategic operations at Alien Leads, and we're talking about offer crafting, not just offer crafting, but how to actually start converting those offers, because at his uh, job and his company, they generate all the offers, but it doesn't matter if you don't do anything with them. So welcome, Eugene. Hey, Mark. Thanks for the introduction. I was good, glad to uh, to jump on the podcast for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was so fun hanging out down at uh, the Commitment Summit in Costa Rica a couple months ago. It feels like a million years ago. How's, how's your summer been? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's... Uh... You know, when you sign up to become an entrepreneur, like uh, it, it's that I had traded in my uh, 40 hour work week for the 80 hour work week, you know, <laughs> the never ending. And then it's on your your mind all the time. It's that is a funny aspect of entrepreneurship is it's not less work. It's just yours. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm the smart one or not the smart one, but uh, that's the path I chose, you know, so. Hey, you know what? It's you don't have a boss. That's that's or everybody's your boss, but no one boss. But it seems like you get so much more done though, right? Because you're just like, hey, you just kind of have to. So like a month seems like, oh man, that was a long time ago. I and mean, there's so many things that happened since then, you know? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah that's totally true. Because whenever you have a job, you know, you just go in, show up, leave, go in, show up, leave, and it's just kind of this redundant process. Whereas entrepreneurship. Your whole business might fall apart next week. You don't know. It's all fun. Or it might explode. It's it's uh it's more adventurous. So I think that's why it's it's so attractive. Uh so let's let's get into it. So talking uh, offers and specifically, I think we we mentioned uh Alex Hermosi's uh book, The Hundred Million Dollar Offer, which if you're a marketer, you've definitely heard of it like a zillion times. What I figure we could do is kind of see how you kind of reviewed it and what you got out of it and how you kind of customized it into what you offer. Uh, at your company. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so they had recently had the hundred million dollar leads launch. And, uh, so there's big hoopla about it in our community, you know, and I got pretty excited from the presentation. So I was like, you know what, I want to dive into it more deep. So uh, I wanted to start at the beginning, you know, so I went back to hundred million dollar lead, the hundred million dollar offers, and I dived into it really deep and, uh, and so it's kind of, it was a, a kind of at an interesting timing for me because I started off doing lead generation. Uh, so primarily we would do like organic SEO to generate leads for clients. And, but then we were also moving more into just a standard kind of search engine optimization service. We're adding that into, um, you know, our, our list of services. So it's kind of a perfect timing that we're adding this other service here. And so now I'm thinking about, you know, how can we craft an offer so that 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's like, hey, we want to increase the top line in the company, right? But one thing I got a lot of value out of the $100 million leads was that I thought I was thinking about business in the wrong way, I think, you know, because I was starting at the end and going to the beginning, right? So like we were talking about before, we're like, hey, let's just make a whole bunch of money so we can kind of be free, right? (laughs) So... So yeah, so so I so that was like my end goal, right? And then it's like, all right, now like, how do I fit everything in? It's like, how can I make things systematic so that I can scale? And then you know, like, it make things keep things profitable and like figure out the logistics behind like how I I could personally win, right? But when I was diving into hundred million dollar offers, you know, Alex was really he he talked about divergent thinking. That's something I kind of want to come back to. But basically, you know, he's being really flexible as to really sitting down and thinking about listing out all the the problems that a potential client might have, you know, uh, with in terms of having seeing success uh, with with you know what you're offering, and um, so going through that mental exercise of like thinking of all the possible things that they might have issues with, um, you know, either either, you know, signing up for your service or implementing your service, you know? And then also on top of that, thinking about getting creatively thinking about like the, as many different ways that you can solve each of those problems. Right. And from that list is, is where you can kind of optimize where your, where your offer is. Right. So it's like, Hey, how can I pick the ones that possibly could be not as hard for me to do, but can have the most bang for the buck on how much value it'll bring to your, to your client. Right. So now you're thinking fundamentally from the standpoint of like, how do I help my clients as opposed to, you know, how to help myself really, you know, I didn't even think that I was thinking like that. Right. I I was like, okay, this is the right move as the leader of my company. I need to raise this top line. Right. That's like, that's my job. Right. But this whole, but this whole like mental exercise made me think, okay, I'm looking in the wrong place, right? Like how can I bring so much value to my, to my clients that it's like a no brainer to work with us, you know? And so that was a big shift. Uh, one of the big things I got, I took away from that first reading, you know? Oh, that's huge. Well, and you know, realizing that you, you know, the self realization that, Hey, I'm really making this offer about me because I need to make this goal or I want this growth or whatever, but it's very I versus like, no, just look at your audience. And and that's actually my favorite part of the book too, was just like, what's irresistible? What is so attractive to that audience that they literally can't say no, or they'll feel bad about saying no, like they they're missing out because they said no. And so I think that really changes your perspective because it's easy to just be like, well, we can't offer that because then our margin's going to be too low or, <laughs> you know, or it's going to be too much work. right yeah exactly oh i really don't like doing that thing so it's like yeah we're not putting that in you know yeah well i think there's a way to do it so both sides win of course but i do think that that change of perspective it just enormous for for getting not just good leads and an effective offer and effective promotion but you know real value for your your new clients yeah and so you know so as i was going through it i was like okay so what's like what are some of the skill sets that I had from my work experience in my career that uh, we can put together creatively, you know? 
And I've always been, as far as like professionally speaking, uh, you know, doing SEO and like doing marketing and, and like basically generating leads, right? You know, at, like that's like probably the most important KPI uh, that, that, you know, that people can hold my, me accountable to. And so, but, you know, even when I was in corporate and we were spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads and stuff and like coming up with new marketing campaigns. And it was always frustrating to me that our sales team didn't pick up or even talk to a lot of the leads that we were generating, you know, like, so, and I, that's where I learned about uh, speed to contact, right? It's like, Probably the, if anybody's like listening and wants to like increase uh, lead conversion before we even call any agencies or anything, look at your speed to contact, right? It's, it's like, you know, you can quadruple your conversion at that step, right? So it's probably like the biggest bang for your buck you can do in terms of helping your business, right? So we went into, you know, doing rank and rent, basically, you know, ranking sites organically on Google and then selling those leads to, for our clients. Um, and one frustrating thing I had to was like, it was like the nightmare was happening all over again. You know, I left corporate and now I'm working with, you know, individual business owners and, you know, you think that they'd be passionate about it and stuff. Right. And which they are, but they get really busy. <laughs> yes. Well, they get super busy, right? Like they're usually wearing all the hats, you know, uh, classic of uh, the E-Myth story from Michael Gerber and they might not get to the leads, you know, and it's understandable. And sometimes they can still pull it off and, you know, make, make a lot of money. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're not like squeezing the most value out of what you're paying me for. Right. So we, me and my business partner, we always thought about like, what's the best, you know, we always, we just like fantasize about like the ideal client, you know, like they would have the CRM already set up. They'd have someone picking up every single call. So their speed to contact would be under a minute. You know, they would basically remarket to their old clients, remarket to the old leads, you know, basically the ideal funnel, right. From start to finish. Right. And so we're like, you know what, maybe what we need to do is craft some of those elements after the leads come in, right? Like what can, what, how can we help convert more of those leads and not just more of the leads. It's just like part of the issue with not picking up your calls. Sorry if I'm going on a rant. This is uh this is one of my personal pet feet, biggest pet peeves professionally. And just like not picking up the calls, for example, you know, it's like, so what can we do to add like value to that? So in terms of like, even offering like just having someone pick up the calls and disposition all the leads in the CRM automatically. Right. So that really doesn't have anything to do with like what a traditional agency or SEO agency would do. Right. But at the end of the day, what's the dream outcome, right? It's like the business owner wants to succeed. Right. And so, you know, even if they're picking up some of the leads, like I said, like if they don't get to all of them, like they might have missed like the biggest like sexiest job, like that they want, oh, this is the most profitable and this is the most high margin type of jobs, but they're not going to even talk to that person. Right. So it's like, if you had someone managing it all on that side, for example, then potentially they can get more of the like higher revenue, better jobs that they want a higher percentage of them. So 
even if they're not doing more jobs, they can increase their top line, for example, for example, right? So that value, you know, typically in SEO, like always takes a long time, right? And so, you know, not to like, you know, <laughs> which is makes it a tough sell in general, right? It's like, hey, come work with us for a year, but we can't promise anything at any timeline, right? And it's kind of true, right? Because like, we don't know a hundred percent, like if this is going to work in this niche, right? Well, you know, you do the best practices and then you, and you, and you, and you do your best to catch up to the competition, right? SEO wise, you know, that's all we can really do. Right. But you know, you can't guarantee the six pack in like six months exactly. Right. You know? So it's like, but we know like the general things you need to do to get a six pack. Right. But if we're helping them convert the leads and increasing their top line from day one, that really speeds up like, well, at the end of the day, well, what do they really want? They just want their business and make more money. Right. So it's yeah, I don't like, care how it's done, you know, <laughs> just do right. Right. <laughs> so I thought maybe it would be a better offer, right. If we can come at them with some optimization on their, uh, on their lead conversion side as well. So I guess, not so much their sales, but more of like their sales process, right? And if we can optimize that, then they're going to see a lot more results right away. And so it's going to be more of a compelling offer than just purely SEO, for example, you know? I love that. Well, I love how you kind of took the the offer process and turned it into almost like a product service development process where you're saying, okay, I can't give the most value or the most evident value using my standard service. I know it works and I know they'll get benefit out of it, but I got to get them to that point. And so I, I love how you kind of came to the realization that the only way to do that was by adding in this other component or at least training them on that. Because, you know, like you said, you don't want to just say, I only want my perfect leads because there's leads that might be perfect for you next year or the year after or if they survive, you know, the, the company survives to get to that stage, then they'll be able to be an awesome client. So if you have a better system where you're saying, okay, I don't, you know, yes, you want to focus on the ideal ones, but these other ones could be useful too. I just need to give them what they need. So that's, that's fantastic realization on your part. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, it's kind of crazy to me, but like probably most business, small business owners, they they don't probably sit down and like draw out their like their sales funnel, right? You know? No, no, yeah. Ninety percent so, of them know. <laughs> if not more, I guess you know. I would say it's probably more like ninety-seven point eight six percent. You know, the majority. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to do a survey though. So um, that'd be that'd be interesting to see the actual stats. But yeah. So I mean, just kind of coaching that aspect of it, just like thinking down them and kind of showing them that like, I mean, I think maybe that's like an inherent advantage we have as digital marketers that we like think about funnels from like very early on in our career. Right. So, but then like, it's like, um, so I guess maybe we had a kind of an advantage to start there, but I think that's pretty much the fundamental, like blood of your business. Right. It's like, optimizing that I think is like where you all probably most of your focus should be, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and like you said, like it could develop into a product itself. Hey everyone. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. 
It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategist certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. So did you actually add in a, you know, kind of funnel building aspect or add the sales training component to, to get better, you know, uh, delivery on following up on the leads or how'd you work it? Yeah. So me, my, me and my business partner, we're still like the brainstorming stage right now. So now I'm like thinking about the best CRMs to include and stuff, probably go with go high level, of course, you know, or, or, and then, um, um, that way it's just like, uh, we can customize it and implement it for each client. And then, um, you know, so, but we want to go through that exercise, right. For that divergent thinking exercise where it's like, Hey, like what are all the possible like solutions to all the possible problems? And then you kind of pick the ones that are like, okay, these are going to give the most bang here. And then like, but it's going to be, or maybe some of these solutions or services will solve multiple problems right so like you craft the offer based on like optimizing like okay how can i give the most you know and make it easy for us to you know so or easy well it really it really focuses on you know giving value because a, a lot of times i think it's easy to be like i know my service works and i know it's going to work and if it doesn't work it's their fault <laughs> like and that's that's where you need to look at yourself as an agency and be like, well, they know might not know better. And plus, at the end of the day, like no matter how perfect you execute your program, if they're not making money and can justify it on their end, then you're going to be let go, period. Like it's just going to happen. So why not get them awesome results? And then they'll be happy. You'll be happy. And then you have case studies and you'll get more business and referrals and and then all the the awesome parts of having, having a business happen, but until you get them to that point, it's just not going to work. So, so that's huge, you know, making, cause that's a big transition for you guys. So are you going to, do you think it's going to be, um, kind of a slow rollout process or, or what are you thinking in terms of kind of modifying your agency for the new model? Well, so we got, a. it's kind of funny though, cause now we got into SEO, right? So we kind of went the opposite way at first, you know, where we're just taking on small clients, you know? Uh, and just have, we have a very standard offer right now. And, but, you know, I mean, we're still getting them results, right. But it's more in smaller markets. So we have like this, at least this consistent flow of like onboarding new clients right now going on. And in the background, we're kind of game planning right now, what our major offer is going to be. And then we're probably going to go live and, uh, kind of get into more of like the, the actual lead generation stuff for ourselves. So it's going to be exciting for when we go live, you know, launch it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, and I think what, what we could do in this, if, if you were planning on kind of systematically rolling it out, is we could, you know, have you back on the podcast and actually see, you know, here's how the ideation happened. Here's how you made your decision. Here's the results and kind of turn it into, uh, you know, a series. Would you be interested in doing that? Yeah, that'd be awesome, actually. Yeah. So, and I'll it'll hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come back in six months. Like, what did you do? Oh, we're still what did you do, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> we're not ready. I'll be like, Dang it. You made me lie on the podcast.
Uh, no, but I, I love the process because, you know, marketers, we love reading books and, and there's so many neat case studies they hear, but, you know, it's always, uh, it's hard not to take everything with a grain of salt because you look at, you know, somebody like Alex Ramosi and you're like, oh my gosh, he's so successful and this obviously worked. And he, he gives this whole background about his, uh, you know, kind of fitness experience and, you know, how he kind of developed into what he is now. And it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, that was his path. I'm sure I, I have my own path where. Uh, I'm going to be at that level at some day, but you know, when you really start implementing the techniques, you realize that nothing works for everybody and every business is unique and every target market is unique and the objectives of every single business owner are unique and literally nothing could work as is perfectly for everybody. It's, it's just not how anything works. So hearing your process is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's just um, like you said. Yeah, there's so many unique situations and stuff too. So it's like, uh, I guess one of the things that I think I probably made a mistake on as an entrepreneur is like just thinking about scale first. You know, I'm like, all right, like, you know, I want to be, you know, driving Bugattis like Andrew Tate soon, like by like three months from now. So like, how can like I can't, I can't make any decisions that aren't scalable. You know. But then you, but then on the job, you're like, well, this thing happened and this unique case is here. So now I got to take care of that. And then, but I think maybe it makes more sense to, you know, I think, and the scope of work is a lot larger than I thought. Right. So you need to like, make sure that like you're handling a, doing an amazing job for each client. And then I think the scale comes afterwards. Right. It's like, okay, now we got the process down. We got quality coming up consistently. And now how do we scale this so that we make sure that, you know, everyone's getting results too, right? So I'm sure there's more problems that I haven't foreseen yet that are coming. Nope, you see. You got them all. <laughs> <laughs> now wise enough to know that I don't know everything. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction, you know. <laughs> that is, you know, I think that, you know, the more experience I've got and the more I realize the same thing. It's like you think you know something and you operate based off of the I know everything and that just leads to horrible situations. And, and I will say that thinking about scale at the beginning is fantastic. Like you have to think about that. Just don't spend all of your time thinking about it because chances are that, you know, if you scaled your current solution, you would go bankrupt or you would fail everybody that you sign up or, and there's a bunch of bad things that can happen if you don't go through the, you know, kind of disciplined process of development, redevelopment, refinement, and then trying it out a million different ways while you're trying to accommodate a changing list of economic factors and societal factors and technology factors and all these different things. And you're like, okay, this is, there's no way you could know. It's just impossible unless you had like some, you know, crystal ball in the future. It's just not possible. So you got to sit down, make a decision, and then execute on that and hope it works out and adjust as necessary. I don't want to divert too far off the course here, but, <laughs> but yeah, just the, what do you think about like the current, like, like the landscape of business? It's like, I feel like it's like a double-edged sword because it's like on one hand, I feel like there's more opportunities for people to make money now, you know, as a brand new entrepreneur, like you can come in here into this space and in five, six years, you can like do pretty big things potentially. Right. I don't think that opportunity, like imagine starting from scratch and doing like an asphalt paving business yourself, like back in the nineties or even eighties or whatever, you know, it's like, it'd take you like 10, 20 years to 
reach that same level that someone could do in five in a digital space, right? Oh yeah. But then again, the land the landscape is so shifting and like there's really nothing set in stone. It's kind of you know, so it's like it's also like I understand why people are intimidated. They don't want to get in the space and every and it seems like everything's a scam, right? It's like, oh, there's so many make money online courses and stuff. Like this is all a scam. That's probably what like the average person thinks, right? Well think about this new landscape. <laughs> well, I think it, I think there's two economies because if you look at like the entrepreneur economy, it's mainly people like us. Like you want to make money, you want to reach the, you know, the pinnacle of uh success and you're willing to do all the work necessary to do it. So you do a ton of research to get out there and figure it out. But the fact of the matter is there's tons of people who don't have that motivation at all, have no idea this whole education space exists and just will do things because they're interested and maybe a couple friends ask them to do something for them and all of a sudden it turns into a business. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of easy come, easy go, right? Like it could be easy to get into any of these things, but it could also be very easy to fail at all these things too. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but the access to resources we have in terms of information and automation and all those things have never existed ever. And I've been doing entrepreneurship since I was like 15. So I'm, I'm been doing it for a quarter of a century and it's always changed and there's always different opportunities and there's always misses and there's always success and blah, blah, blah. But all you got to figure is that if you learn enough, then You'll be able to adjust to anything and nothing will scare you. And you will make big pitfalls because you've talked to so many people and now they did the experience so you don't have to and you're mature enough to listen to it. So now you could take advantage of knowing it and you're all connected because of online. So I think it's, you know, even though the environment is shifting a lot, most people aren't doing anything revolutionary most of the time, you know, and and really the barrier that used to be digital, which was programming is now becoming insanely cheaper than it was. And so if nothing else, now you could develop an app for free if you want to, and it could succeed just like Instagram or whatever other app you want to associate with. And it won't cost you a zillion dollars to develop or a million years or whatever. You could do it like today. So it's an, it's an advantage and a disadvantage in a bunch of ways. But I think for you know people who are mature, reading books, doing the lessons, and then are have the discipline to execute a real strategy versus just taking the shiny objects and applying them to make a few bucks here and there. Sky's the limit. Shiny object syndrome is like the uh it's like the biggest curse for <laughs> for uh, digital entrepreneurs, I would say, you know? Oh, it is. Because I hear stuff all I do the podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea too. And then you're like, well, yeah, but Practically, you can only implement. Yeah, we we digital market. We talk about the big three, right? Like, there's th three big projects you can accomplish every quarter. What are those projects going to be? Where you feel like they'll have the biggest impact on your business if you do them and get them done the way you say you're going to do them within this quarter. If you do those three things, then ideally you should be successful. But if you say like, oh, I'm going to kind of do this one, I'm going to kind of do that one, I'm going to do half of this project, I'm going to do half of that project, and blah 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 blah, then literally nothing's going to work and you'll be in the same spot six months <laughs> yeah that's never happened to me at all during my never at all i don't have a list of websites i've set up <laughs> that i do absolutely nothing with <laughs> bread too thin you know um well i got one final question too yeah i don't want to uh, i know we're probably bumping up on the time but you know, um just i i didn't realize that you know i, I met you and we talked and probably 
talk more about like spiritual things and stuff, but I didn't even realize you had like a content like background. Like, is that where oh, you originally got started? Oh yeah. Well, actually I originally got started just in entrepreneurship. So out of college, I was a, uh, I joined a startup called Teleparent where we were selling like telecommunication systems for parents to students or no teachers to students, parents. They didn't like us very much. The students didn't like us, but anyways, <laughs> so that was my, my tech experience. Then I got into e-commerce and then to promote e-commerce, I got into content because, you know, it was fitness and everybody loves to talk about fitness. So I was like, oh, I'll just make a magazine. And so I got into a magazine and then realized that content is king, you know, just like everybody else talks about today. But back then it was very new. And I was like, why isn't everybody making databases of content? I don't understand this. Like you could be a resource if you just concentrate on one type of content. So that's kind of where my my stuff happened. But yeah, I, I still think, well, now it's even better because now you can generate as much content as you want and who can organize it the best or make it the most interesting. Like that's a much better goal. So that's what I was going to ask you when like chat GPT and uh, the language models, uh, they came out and stuff. Were you intimidated at first, like the first second you saw them or was it like right away you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Oh, as soon as I tried it for real, like I said, like, oh, you know, everybody talks about it. And I actually, I'd used a, a company called Synthasia, which does like uh, the AI video avatar that talks with the words that you put in. And that was two years ago. And I was like, ah, it's okay. It's kind of useful. I can see it's practical in some regards, blah, blah, blah. But once I tried ChatGPT, I think it was December, maybe November, I was like, holy crap, I could get way more work done. I could, I could. 10x the amount of content I make and not just, you know, crummy content that ChatGPT puts out if you just do, you know, simple prompts for like really good content and it sounds exactly like me. And now I read articles that I've run and I can't even tell if I wrote it or not. Like ChatGPT like was, it it skipped like multiple steps from like, yeah, you know, it just went so, it set the bar so high, you know? Well, it's, it's so adaptable. It's huge. And that's the advantage now. Now everybody has AI. So now there's really no excuse for making content because literally it could be a sentence prompt. And here you go. Here's the content. Problem solved. You know, it's funny too, like uh, final, final, final point. I know I was saying, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, you know, kids are getting trouble nowadays, right? Because they're using ChatGPT to write their essays and stuff. But uh, the way I look at it, I'm like, you know what? It'll probably be more valuable for the kids to actually learn how to use ChatGPT really well than to write an essay. You know? Yeah. Well, it it shows how to answer questions. You know how to to modify data and how to how to do more research way faster without having to to read a million pieces of content. I mean, it's you know the education side, which you know I'm writing my book and and that's a big part of it. Where it's just like, no, education is going to be really easy now because you can take any concept plug in something you're interested into the thing you want to learn. And now I could learn quantum mechanics with my experience with golf because I like golf and I understand golf. And now I can apply all these concepts to golf because AI does all the hard work for me using that analogy. And now it's not only interesting, but I'll remember it because it's related to something that I really like. And so that's why I'm always like, it's, what are you talking about? Because I have people tell me too, they're like, oh, it's not going to affect education. And I'm like, it's going to affect education more than literally anything else. It's going to change everything. But whatever. People people learn. I think it's it's so far, it's, it's, it's the biggest uh, disruptor, I think, that's come out in the AI space, you know? But oh, easy. I think there's going to be more game-changing applications yet to come even with the with with like ai applications i don't think it's 
think writing, it totally changed the game for writing already, you know, like it revolutionized it. But I think there's way more space, you know, where the applications are coming, you know? Well, I'll tell you why. It, like you are 100% right. And if you look at the the original release of ChatGPT4 was they had a visual component, load a picture, and it could describe anything about that picture. And that capability sounds like, well, if you don't understand visual design, you'll be like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, it shows that it's a picture of this and that picture. The picture they show is amazing too, because there's actually, it's like a metaphor and it explains the metaphor that the picture was trying to describe. And I'm just like, holy crap, this will change everything. Yeah, you could just take a picture of anything you want. I mean, even from an e-commerce standpoint, if you say like, oh, I really like this mic, I can't really tell where it's from. Let me take a picture of it. And then it pulls up 50 vendors that sell that exact mic exactly as you took the picture of. Maybe it has like, oh, I have a boom on there. And so I want this whole setup. I just want this thing. Instead of you going to Amazon, writing down, tell you, trying to look at the serial number. It's just like, no, nope, here it is. What do you want? Do you want tomorrow? You're like, yeah, 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 I'll take it tomorrow. That sounds great. Or, <laughs> you know, based on the space, you could say, take a picture of that and I need to fit into this space. And then it says, okay, here's how you do it. I mean, it's, you know, that's just a silly application, but you could apply that to 3D goggles. And now you could say like, hey, I need to change my brake pads on my car. I've never done that before. How do I do that? And now using, you know, augmented reality and AI, it's like, well, here's the tools you need. Go and lay them out in an order as set on your screen. And now do this, crank it this many times, blah, 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 blah. Now you just revolutionized manufacturing processes because now you don't have to train everybody and worry about them chopping their fingers off because they have the 3D goggles that'll put red everywhere they shouldn't touch. And now you have better safety too. I mean, I just, that was just me riffing. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, one thing I was thinking about was like, what if you just had like a personal assistant that could could control your desktop, you know? So you could gradually train it to do different things. Like, oh, I could train it to do Photoshop or I could train it to do like, you know, hey, go get me backlinks, you know? It's like, dude, that's gonna, I feel like having like a digital person basically like that you can train. I feel like that's, that's coming. <laughs> Not just train, but be able to ask stuff. Because the thing is, it's like, most of the time you're just trying to describe what you want, right? You're trying to say like, oh, well, I need you to do this and I want it to be like this and end up like that. Versus AI, you could basically go like, okay, here's what I have right now. I want it to be this. How do I do that? And it's just like, oh, here you go. You know, so you're, you're totally right. We're, we're barely scratched the surface of AI. And I think it's been artificially paused because it's too disruptive and too many companies would just be like, oh, I'm going to hit my fourth quarter, uh, you know, expense objectives because I could literally delete this department and I'll save all this money. I'll get the reward for saving all this money. And AI takes the, takes everybody's position and who cares that could totally happen. And it probably will happen, you know, in the next six months or so. Well, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Now we can go down. We can, now we can talk about international economics. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So we'll have you back on the show, but yeah, I could, I could talk the AI stuff all day long. All right. So I, I love, I love how you, you kind of came up with your own kind of application. You have a game plan. I'm excited to have you back on the show to kind of, you know, see how it comes about. So hopefully that'll give you some accountability and you'll be coming back in six months to be like, that's how I made had my first million dollar month. And I'll be like, yeah heard it here on the podcast. So thank you so much, Eugene, for coming on. Uh, where can people learn more about you in the meantime? Um, yeah, you could just uh, 
go to alienleads.com and we'll uh you know we'll be updating the website and stuff so put, have most of our information there awesome and I, I will hold you accountable i'm gonna put on my calendar i'm gonna check up on you uh quarterly and we'll see how it's going so i uh wish you the best of luck and do something sweet so we could talk about it all right thanks for having me on mark oh i promise to to, to keep that sweetness <laughs> all right keep it going <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. Next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.